Dionisio at the plate, he's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's. Oh, it's raining now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the uh, show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swakowski. Uh, it's uh, the 1st of December. Oh, man, we're really in the uh, the off season here. It's, it's a new low here, December. It's bad. Yeah, it's a, it's a vast wasteland of, uh, of no baseball. Um, you know, not even much hot stove league action going on right now. No, not really. Um, I think what the, the owners' meetings are coming up or whatever, though, so that's good. Yes, yeah. yeah. Owners' meetings are coming up, um, uh, you know, in, in February, pitchers and catchers will report. That's still a long way away. But. Yeah, true. Uh, it's not March yet, which is when the NCAA tournament happens. This is episode number 64, and the 64 uh, is for the uh, baseball uniform number tournament, uh, which we did last, which we did earlier this year, and we will not be doing again uh, in 2020. Yeah, we're not we're not going to do a repeat of that. Uh, if, <laughs> if you remember that episode, we we concluded that Babe Ruth was the greatest <laughs> baseball player of all time. Yes. It took us about two two and a half hours. To come to that conclusion. <laughs> it was a double episode. Yep. Um. Yeah. So um. So yeah. We'll you know maybe we'll do something uh that that leaves a little more to chance. I yeah. guess. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. Or at least you know maybe roll a dice for to. To, to pick the winner or something, I don't know. But um, this this uh, this week, Jack, we're going to be doing. Um, we're reading some baseball baseball card backs. L- let me just say, this is not the baseball card episode. Okay, we yep. haven't done the baseball card episode yet. This is just a entree into uh, the the baseball card episode. So we're going to be reading the backs of the 2001 Topps baseball card set. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy. It's like that quote in the movie Jaws where uh, Matt Hooper says, uh, they caught a shark, not the shark. <laughs> this is this is a baseball card episode, right. not, not the baseball card episode. Exactly, which which might have to be a double episode <laughs> um, because there's, there's a lot to cover. But, uh, and, and we've been put, pushing it off and pushing it off. But, um, yeah, so, so Jack, uh, I mean, basically... Um, I I got in I got this uh set this 2001 set um because Ichiro like the I wanted to get the Ichiro uh, rookie card. Yeah. And so I figured like if I like the set was like not that much more than the actual rookie card. Mm-hmm. That's like the highlight of this set, the Ichiro rookie card. Yeah. So I just picked up the whole set and I was going through it and I was like looking at the backs and I just know I noticed that some of these backs are like completely wacko. Yeah, um, uh, you know, for those of you who don't look at baseball cards on a on a consistent basis, uh, you know, for the most part, if, if guys sometimes their cards will be filled with stats if they've been uh, you know playing for like twenty years, but you know, for for the most part, uh, you know, uh, some some guy, some some lucky guy at tops will get or or unlucky guy depending on how you look at it will get to, to write like two or three sentences, a little blurb or a summary of the baseball player. Now, sometimes it that that blurb deals with his season or his career, and sometimes it's a completely wacko, random fact <laughs> about the guy that uh, seems to have no relevance to anything. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It, um, it, and, and I mean, usually it's like baseball related or like, yeah, or like, yeah, like, I mean, or it's totally random, but like, this set, and I've looked at a lot of baseball cards. I've read the backs of a lot of them. This set in particular was just weird. It was the 50th anniversary of Topps baseball cards. The first set came out in 1951. Yeah. So I don't know if they either 
maybe had some like guys from 1951 writing these blurbs and were a little little wackadoo, right? Or they were like trying to like start like a new like hip like guys like people who didn't know anything about baseball like write these blurbs like to try to like turn a new corner and then failed miserably or something <laughs> but but yeah so we we skimmed through the, honestly we didn't even get through the whole set but we found like a handful that were worthy of reading yeah um so yeah i mean if you ever find yourself coming across the 2001 set check them out because they're 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 totally goofy oh absolutely and before we get into it one thing jeremy just about the appearance of these cards we were talking yeah. a little bit about this before we started recording but i feel like the, the they look they have kind of a generic look to them they have like a they have a green border um for all of them and it just it's it's it, it just looks a little bit unappealing to me well, it's weird. So, so Jack, they never like. Here's a here's a little baseball purist uh, insight. Um, uh, collectors don't like non-white borders. Uh huh. Um, so honestly, like they, yeah, possibly ge- generic in a sense, but like they're also like they were a kind of a major depart departure from like a lot of different um, designs. Yeah. Um, I'll say one thing that's wacky about them, like. So the 1971 set has all black borders, Mm -hmm. and black is, like, completely unforgiving of the cards because they get, like, chipped is what they're called. So, like, they look like, even if it has, like, a little, like, you know, imperfection, it looks like it's messed up, the card. So these green ones are kind of the same way. It it just doesn't, like, it's unforgiving. Uh, The other thing about these cards is that they're glossy, Mm -hmm. and um, they're glossy on both sides, which you don't usually find nowadays. And like when I bought this set, I don't know who like how the guy kept them in condition, but like the, they were like sticking together and stuff. And yeah. you can see that like if you look on the backs of some of them, you could see like the coloring like like kind of like stuck on from the card behind it. So mm-hmm. this was kind of a nightmare set. Like yeah. I, I didn't buy this, you know, to like you know pay for my kids college tuition but uh so like these these like it would be interesting to, to see if like someone has like a you know a mint condition set of these because it seemed hard to have that yeah so interesting so collectors don't like uh the the non-white borders because they look more it's easier for them to look more beat up yeah absolutely 100 yeah interesting uh and uh Tops does this. They do these like throwback sets every year where they like recreate an old design. And in 2020, they're going to be doing the 1971 cards, which oh. had the black border. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how like messed up they come <laughs> just straight out of the box or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I do actually like that 90, 1971 set. Um, they have like lowercase, it's all lowercase, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird, like for their names. But yeah, but this set is, is, a, is an oddball set for sure. Um, so each of us, Jeremy and I both picked 10 cards. We're going to read, uh, we're going to read the blurbs and discuss the blurbs and the players a little bit. And then we actually wrote blurbs for each other. <laughs> we did. Um, yes. Which will be fun. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's just get into it. Jeremy, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'll Great. go first. Um, I, the first one I pulled here was Pat Mears. I remember Pat Mears. You do remember Pat yeah, Mears? Yeah. I remember okay. Pat so he was like a long time or not a long time, but he was, he was on the twins for a while. He was a consistent starter. Uh, but this is a pirate's card. Okay. So this is his blurb. This one, I picked this one for you, Jack. Detroit pitcher, Detroit Tigers pitcher Hideo Nomo got some pub last season when he won a pregame foot race while dressed as an eight-foot Italian sausage. He wasn't the first baseball-playing cut of meat to do so, however. In 1999, Pat Mears participated in the same event, the Milwaukee Brewers traditional sausage race, and, clad to look like a bratwurst, outran a hot dog and a kielbasa. <laughs> 
So Pat Mears was in also in the hot dog. Race? He was, yeah. Apparently, and apparently before Hideo Nomo. That's so there you crazy, go. and he was obviously not with the Brewers at that time. No, yeah. No. Well, and they said that Nomo was a. Oh, maybe so. Nomo did Nomo do it when he was a Brewer? He did, but they're okay. saying it's a pregame race. But like, I, I feel like that's that's wrong. He did it during the sausage race, which is never held pregame unless for some did, reason they were doing it before the game. Yeah, did they change it? I don't know. No, I, I'm too. I, that that was so long ago yeah. that I don't remember. I feel like it's always been during the game, though. But that is super odd. He must have, like, Pat Mears must have, like, seen it happen when he was with the Twins. Because the Brewers probably used to play the Twins all the time in the mid-90s. And was mm-hmm. like, man, I really want to, uh, <laughs> I want to do this, yeah. you know, sometime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And just, like, it was so, so poetically written. Like, he yeah. outran a hot dog and a kielbasa. Uh, yeah. So, um, there you go. Pat Mears. Interesting. Well, that, that that's really cool. I, I did not actually know that. Um, yeah. Okay. Good okay. Good to kick it off. Well, you know, here's mine. I'm, I'm doing Steve Klein. Uh, okay. Steve Klein was... Lefty. Uh, yeah, lefty. At this time, he had played a little bit with the Indians, but mostly with the Expos for about four seasons. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so, he, uh, middle reliever. So here's uh, here's what they said about Steve Klein. Brought up through the Indians chain, Steve was traded to Montreal in 1997, where he'd done a solid, if anonymous, job and set up relief. Last season, he kissed goodbye to the anonymity. When closer Yuga Thurbina was shelved, the Expos turned to Klein, who was terrific. Steve sometimes wears a U.S. penitentiary t-shirt under his uniform inscribed, The Big House, Lewisburg. He explains... My brothers and I work there as guards. You handle real live killers there. You don't worry about a baseball killer. Um, that's funny on several levels. I think the funniest is because he was on a team with a real live baseball killer in Yuga Thurbina. <laughs> right. Who went to jail for murder. That's yeah, totally. Like I'm. Re- it's it's you know with the uh, the wisdom of 19 years to look back on some of these cards and what they say. Yeah. Yes, that's chilling. Quite honestly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he worked at a penitentiary yeah. when? See, I know, like between, like in the off season? I like, guess, man, talk about, you know, anyone who thinks that these players are coddled as go- going up through the minors, like, there's a perfect example. This guy has to work as a prison guard yeah. where he could get shanked. Yeah. Like, he could be, like, you know, like on his way up, like, through the minors and then just get shanked in this prime and, and done. Um. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, him, him and his brothers used to do it uh, in Pennsylvania, I guess. So that's yeah. uh, that's that's pretty good. Um, that's so, totally yeah. odd. Steve Klein. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember Steve Klein is just like, yeah, a loogie, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. All right. So this one, I was trying to shy away from two anonymous of players in, you know, 19, 18 years in the past. There's some guys who you've never even heard of. Right. But this this blurb was too good to pass up. Steve Cox. Do you remember this guy at all? He's not, a, he's not a devil really. Ray. Not really. Yeah. No. I don't remember him either. But uh, this is what his said. Quote, there is nothing worse than going home and having buddies ask, when are you going to be in the big leagues, says Steve, an eight-year minor leaguer, a former California League A-ball home run champ. He got his chance in 2000, playing well in, in Ray's spot duty after tearing up AAA as, as the 1999 International League MVP. So, you know, nothing crazy there, but it's like <laughs> he, he's kind of like venting <laughs> like, yeah. on the back of his car. Like, yeah, man, it's tough. He, he needs better friends, man. Yeah. I mean, that'd be like if somebody asked me, like, hey, when are you going to be on TV? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. when, when you're, When's your podcast going to get picked up to the, uh, <laughs> the major networks? Yeah, it's like, hey, man. Like, this is a process, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, he's, he's, he's hearing it from his players, from his, from his friends. Uh, 
sadly, I feel like now his buddies are like, we're going to be asking like, so when are you going to stay in the major leagues? Because, <laughs> you know, okay, you got a cup of coffee, but. Yeah, let me see. Um, oh, yeah. He said he played 118 games there in Yeah, yeah. In and he, had, uh, he had 11 home runs, uh, hit 283, it looks like. You know what's interesting, Jeremy, when you look at, so he's listed as being on the Devil Rays. Yeah. Um, when you look at a guy's card, uh, you know, a guy who played with the Devil Rays and the Rays, mm-hmm. like it, it switches over, which it does, is kind of yeah. cool. They don't, um, they don't do it like retroactively, like change it to Rays, even on like the 2014 or 15 cards that we've looked at. Yeah, for sure. Which yeah, kind of neat. If you look at a Ben Zobrist card, mm-hmm. for, for instance, yeah, yes. it goes Devil Rays and then Rays. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's funny. Is uh, he's kind of working things out there on the back of his baseball <laughs> card? So yeah. Um, so, so speaking of working things out, I've, I've kind of got, uh, I got a good one here. So this is Gabe Kapler. Okay. Um, so we're getting a current manager, uh, a hire from the San Francisco Giants. He just got hired as their manager, a hire that nobody really seemed to like no. uh, at all. Nobody was happy with that hire, but here it is. Okay. So, uh, in a twist of fate, Gabe may be a ball player today because of a childhood near tragedy. The fears and insecurities that resulted from his being hit by a car pushed him toward weightlifting to overcome them. Once a 150-pound high school weakling, he built his body, learned the game in junior college, and was given a chance, barely as a 57th-round draft choice, to play professionally. Uh, So, Jeremy, uh, a 150-pound weakling? Like, I hope that he was, like, that was, like, self-described by him, but there's no quotes in there. Yeah, right. I mean, whoever wrote this, I mean, Jeremy, I'm I'm about 150 pounds. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I'm 5'9", and he's 6'2", so I guess that's pretty pretty light for 6'2", but, like, Jesus, I I think weakling is uh, not really a word we'd use in 2019. It's not really an inclusive uh, word. No, no, not at all. Also... He got hit by a car. Yeah. It's like it's like he could have been 250 pounds and like if it doesn't matter how how heavy you are if you get hit by a car. So like I don't know there's there's some flaws in that in that uh, you know rationale I right. guess. Right. Yeah. Um, and like you know, th- I guess it gave him a lot of fears and insecurities. Um, yeah. So I get, I guess that all of this made him the man we see today in 2019. Apparently. Yeah. These are totally like emo cards. It's like yeah. they're talking about fears, insecurities, like being dogged by your your friends. Like it's like uh, yeah, they're they're getting into their feels as as the kids <laughs> say. Um, that's a good one. Uh, all right, so I got um, a notable guy here, Robin Ventura. Um, in September 1999, Robin met Patricia Morrison, the widow of The Doors lead singer Jim Morrison, inspiring him to make the band's Mojo Risen refrain, the Mets rallying cry, and their pennant quest. <laughs> so, I mean, and you know, I can't help but get images of like Wayne's World 2 when Wayne has those dreams about meeting Jim Morrison like right. in, the, in the desert. Yeah. So he just, he, he met... Jim Morrison's widow, and like he was inspired to to say Mojo Rising for his like so. But I mean, how did he implement that? I mean, I wasn't too tuned into like the 2000 uh, Mets. They no, were that was the World that Series. That was the Subway Series. Year, yeah, right? yeah. But I guess I mean like. Did they have a walk-off win, and he's like, we got our mojo rising, boys. <laughs> and also Robin Ventura yeah. saying this. I, I was going to say, where was this fire when he was the White Sox manager? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't he have run into, like, uh, you know, the wife of the Imagine Dragons lead singer or something? And, like, you know, or, like, I don't know, it's anybody, even Smash Mouth. It's like, hey, come on, guys, we're all stars, you know? Like, yeah, but apparently I get Robin Ventura deeply moved by, uh, you know, not only the doors, but... Like, you know, ancillary 
people like like wives and ex-wives of the Doors members, I guess. So there you go. <laughs> I've got a music-related one too, Jeremy. Okay, cool. Ironically, um, so this is Luis Soho. All right. Uh, kind of just uh, you remember Luis Soho? Yes, I, I do. About him on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, but he was just kind of a journeyman uh, middle uh, guy. Just a, I think he was a was he a yeah a middle infielder? Angels, yeah. Yankees. Yeah, Mar- he was on the Mariners for a little while. Okay. Pirates for a year. Uh, okay, so. In 1997, Luis, along with the Yankees' Bernie Williams on guitar and a 19-piece orchestra, played percussion in a three-hour jam session of music from Paul Simon's play, The Cape Man. <laughs> and, so, Jeremy, let's remember that these are the 2001 cards. This is saying in 1997 he did this. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. That's, that's, you're going back three years. Like, they had really had nothing else to say about <laughs> Luis Soho from, like, the last half decade. I, I want to see his 98 card and see what that one says. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, because they're like, we have, this, we have this tidbit, but we can't, we can't go with this. We have to talk about how he, you know, likes to make ribs or something <laughs> right yeah and uh, yeah I, it doesn't say where this where this happened like a three so hour jam session with a 19 piece orchestra like I can, I can only imagine it was either at yankee stadium or at a theater yeah but, um I, i'm having a hard time figuring out like why this happened and like why louis soho um and bernie williams was a pretty big deal for the yankees but that, that's um, like you know why they safety proof like theater so people can't jump out the window or something because like, <laughs> after hour two of that i would be trying to find any sort of uh self you know uh, offing mechanism yeah right anyway. um and i wonder if bernie williams says the same thing probably not they probably had something <laughs> actually more to say about bernie williams yeah maybe although he does love to he loves that guitar man yeah um i think he liked playing guitar more than playing baseball quite honestly <laughs> all right this one is uh I read this once and I, I set it aside. I didn't read it again. I'm just going to read it now. And uh, it's it's kind of like a uh, Christopher Nolan-esque, like, interwoven, just mind twister. Uh, this is Bobby Jones. He was okay. a pitcher for the Mets. Yeah. Um, he's about as unremarkable as his name. Right. Um, but here we go. Uh, on May 11th, 1999, the Mets' Robert Joseph Jones... On this card, in quote in parentheses, faced Colorado's Robert Mitchell Jones in the first and last meeting of the 20th century between starting pitchers with identical first and last names. But when M was traded to New York last winter, the coincidence was not unique. In ni- <laughs> yeah, in 1962, the original Mets roster included pitchers Robert L and Robert G. Miller. It's just like oh, man. a mind twister. That, that, made my, that made my head hurt, Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's a it's it's a, okay. So I guess what they're saying is this: this the guy, the Colorado Rockies guy, got traded to the Mets, and they were teammates, right? And then in 1962, they were all there were also two Robert Millers, I guess. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's like a Christopher Nolan like mind twister. That's what yeah. I say about that. I, I I always do love when uh, like either two pitch starting pitchers have the same name yeah. or like a starting pitcher faces a batter and they have the same name. Yeah. Uh, there used to be a pitcher named Ryan Braun. Yeah. Um, right. And I don't know if he ever actually faced the Brewers Ryan Braun. Right. But, uh, you know, you'd think that would have to be going through both of their minds if they were facing off against each other. I, I was once in a, uh, I was once doing like a mock, uh, auction draft on ESPN. Yeah. Like, 
it was a mock draft. It wasn't even real. It was just a practice for the draft. And like, so in an auction draft, someone like, when it's your turn, you uh, propose a player and then everyone can bid on him. And so someone like proposed Ryan Braun and I like bid like $30 on him or something. And then they were like, Haha, that was the pitcher, Ryan Braun. I'm like, what? Who? what's wrong with you? You yeah. fucking loser. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm like, Oh, you got me. It, this is not real, but uh, you're wasting everyone's time, but okay, cool. So <laughs> Jeremy. Yes. Uh, okay. So Will Clark. Yes. <laughs> at four, Will's first mitt was brought home by his dog flash. <laughs> that's it. That's all it says. Yeah. Now th- this is one where there's a lot of stats. Yeah, yeah. So he had like a lot of stats at that. They, point. they could have just not included anything out right. there, but yeah. they had they had to include that. It it leaves a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It it does. Um, I I mean, uh, okay. So <laughs> for starters, like uh, this was obviously somebody's mitt that this dog stole. Yes. You know? Or yeah. Or yeah. Whether it's a another kid's or a store's mitt, like the <laughs> right. dog went into a store, grabbed a mitt, and ran home to Will Clark. Yeah. Uh, but yes. Yeah. Where? Explain further. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, a follow up question. Yeah. Um. So you know, there's there's that. Uh. You know. Um. I, I guess. Uh, uh. At you know, age four, that seems a little bit young for a kid to have a baseball mitt. I mean, yeah. you think age six or seven. The kid doesn't even know what a... At age four, he's not even going to know what a baseball mitt is. No, no. Um, Plus, but, he was a first baseman. Too, yeah, right? yeah. So did he bring him home a first baseman's mitt? <laughs> yeah. Doubtful. I like Will Clark's picture on this too, Jeremy. I don't know if he took a close Oh, look yeah. That, but he yeah. looks like kind of a schmuck in it. He has like a kind of a dopish smile. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Jeremy, that's uh, that. That just seems like somebody found out about that one, and they uh, they're like, we have to put this one sentence on here. Yeah, right. Exactly. Will Clark on the Cardinals in that one? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, which is which is interesting. Yeah, I he spent like the last year or two of his career on the Cardinals. Yeah, I don't really remember that. But uh, all right, so I got one uh, here. Scott Spezio. Uh uh-huh. Remember Scott Spezio? I do remember Scott Spezio. Okay. Not for, to be mistaken with Scott Schoenweiss. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, for for folks who may not remember him, uh. What you might remember him from is um, in the early 2000s or mid-2000s, he was on the Cardinals. Yep. He might have been on that 06 Cardinals team where he, like, fucking dyed his, like, goatee, like, his, like, landing strip goatee, yeah. like, red and uh-huh. shit. And, like, uh-huh. he dyed his hair weird colors. and But, like, a red goatee was, like, disgusting. Um, and this might inform some of the reasons why he is the way he is. Um <clears throat> When closer Troy Percival struts in from the Edison Field bullpen, he does so to the beat of a song called Delusions of Autonomy, blaring from the loudspeakers. The artists, a grungish band called Sandfrog, may be relatively unknown, but its frontman is a celebrity. That would be Scott Spezio, who sings, plays guitar, and even has the designation, quote, percussion on the CD credits. It's great to hear it, says Scott, who is an invaluable utility player for the Angels. I just wish they could turn it up louder. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy, have you have you heard of the sand frogs? No, I no, I and it's just sand frog. It's sand frog. The sand frogs would be kind of funny, actually, Uh but but having it singular. I mean, this is like the epitome of like, yeah. So this is two thousand. So I mean, like. There was uh, Silverchair. That band Silverchair had an album called Frog Stomp. Yeah. Like, I just feel like this... Like, I'm going to guess that they were like a San Diego, like, like punk, punky metal band or whatever. Just, mm-hmm. I'm sure I can... 
Delusions of Autonomy, like which That's is such an awful uh, name for a song. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. Um, I could ju- I could picture what these guys sound like without even hearing it, and uh, I don't like it. Uh huh. Um, and it totally. And then you couple in the fact that Scott Spezio is the front man of this band, and like it just it sounds like all kinds of bad. So um, yeah, no, I've never heard it, but I I can assume what it sounds like, and it, it, it ain't pretty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just it, wish they could turn it up louder. Troy Percival, he was kind of a flash in the pan too. Yeah. Um, okay, I got Greg Vaughn here. Okay, that's a good one. Okay. Uh, Vaughn's wife, Michelle, competes on a championship level in dressage and won a national amateur event last spring. Greg, however, says of her horses, I won't get on them. They're too big. <laughs> I'm saying dressage right, right? I, I, I don't know. That sounds, I think that's, that's, probably... that's correct. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what that is. I think it's horses like moving their legs in a in certain way or like moving around or something okay sure. I, I i have no I equestrian have no idea. adjacent yeah 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 um yeah that's weird <laughs> I, don't know. I mean yeah okay that's clearly you know i i know that uh i'm sure she has her own talent her own hobbies her own interests but like it's kind of like it to me that all smacks of greg just kind of throwing her some money and being like yeah, go play with your horses. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm Jeremy. I've never actually, I've never really liked horses that much. I'm not, uh-huh. a, I'm not a big no. horse guy. Like, no. and like, if you, you know, owning horses and like riding horses is like a rich person's hobby. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you know, I, that said, you know, you don't have to be like, you know, super rich to do it. But like, you know, it's like uh, when the Winter Olympics. Like, you know, all these <laughs> people grew up rich. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's it's just a life that I've never. I mean, even like golfing is yeah. too like uh, fancy for me. So like. <laughs> I mean, that's just a whole nother world that I can't even really wrap my head around. So, right. Yeah, never been... I wouldn't even know what to do with a horse. No. <laughs> in many ways, I'm like Greg Vaughn. You're like Greg Vaughn, right. <laughs> Here you go, honey. Just uh, I hope the wife doesn't get into uh, horse back riding. I, think when I, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but I think that I... Um, I think Greg Vaughn threw me a ball when I was a little kid. Oh, really? Through spring training. Interesting. Yeah. I think I was like four years old. I don't remember it. But okay. like, uh, I guess Greg Vaughn asked my parents. Like, he's like, "Can he can he catch?" Oh, and yeah. then and then he threw the ball over the fence to me. I'm not. I didn't probably didn't catch it, but I don't <laughs> know. Maybe my dad got it. But sure, yeah. Sure. Uh, but yeah. So Greg Vaughn did do that. He used to be one of my favorite players on the Brewers. Um, That's cool. Until he got traded for Mark Newfield. Oh yeah. Uh, right. But so yeah, that was Greg Vaughn. Okay. All right. Um, all right. I got one from Manny Alexander. I remember Manny Alexander. Yeah. This is post Cubs Manny Alexander. I kind of remember that he was a Cub. Okay. Um, but, uh, this is what I got for him. Manny, who has 10 brothers, is used to competition. But why did it have to come from Cal Ripken Jr.? Once considered Ripken's successor, he just never got the chance as Cal played and played. Alexander did have one moment of trivia glory, however, becoming in 1996 the first bird other than Ripken to start at shortstop in 14 years. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, there's just a lot of there's a lot of like words in here that don't that are unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, This is like the anti Will Clark (laughs) blurb. Right. Right. Like, okay, he's got ten. Honestly, they should have just the blurb should have just been like he had ten brothers. Yeah. But basically, what struck me about this one is that it, it kind of highlights his like his like lack of breaking through, like his lack of accomplishment in his career, basically. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm actually that that brings a, a, up a good point, Jeremy. Uh, a lot of these like will start off with with something. Yeah. Uh, like 
him having 10 brothers yeah. and then they'll become about something completely different <laughs> yeah, yeah. where it's like you try to you try to see the connection to the first thing but it just ends up seeming like a non sequitur yeah no totally yeah it's like okay he's got 10 brothers so he knew competition He's in. He's connected to Cal Ripken. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, th- th- there was one that I was reading. I didn't pick this one out, but they're like, uh, you know, Joe, a, a big fan of punk music, uh, <laughs> pitched eighty-three games for the Red Sox this year. It's like, well, you know, why? <laughs> you, you just you're putting it. I, I guess. I guess it's interesting to know that he likes that type of music. But yeah. Like, right. Whatever. Um, for yeah. that one, did they capitalize the word bird? Yes, they nice. did. They okay. Did. Yes. That's that's I, strange. Yeah, that's another one that. Yeah, because like. I, I know that the Orioles are birds, but like no one, it's not like everyone is going like, hey, who's your uh, favorite bird player? <laughs> you know? Oh, Cal Ripken for sure. Oh, yeah, of course. Is like, that, that must have been when they moved Ripken to third base, maybe? Uh, I guess I did. Did he snap the streak by sitting though? Yeah, I mean, he did, and I'm trying to think if he snapped the streak in '96 because it says he started in '96, right? Is that yeah. yeah? Okay, yeah. In 1996, the first bird other than Ripken to start at shortstop. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Manny Alexander, yeah, that way to uh, kind of trump up his, as you said, lack of accomplishment. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, this is another Expos. I feel like maybe the uh, the Expos, like, I wonder like, I wonder how they assign these cards. If, if yeah. it's one guy writing all of them or they assign one guy to a group of teams, whatever. But So mm. this this is another Expos one that's pretty good. This is Hideki Arabu. Oh, Arabu, nice. uh, he of Arabu Mania, uh, the fat toad, as George Steinbrenner called him. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, okay, so this is, uh, uh, okay, so here's Hideki Arabu. I'm always drawn to shiny objects, Hideki has said when discussing his favorite things. A scalpel is probably not what he had in mind. Last May, he he went under the knife to repair his knee, missing six early weeks in the new phase of his career as an expo. The injury took him away from the game he came to love as a child in Japan. His father worshipped the game, and most days would, as dads do in America, take his son to a park to play catch. It paid off, as Arabu eventually became credited with being the first Japanese pitcher to throw 95 miles per hour in a professional game. Jesus Christ, man. That's a long... <laughs> that's a, like giving the guys a life story here. Yeah, I was going to um, say, like, that's a two-part blurb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the first part, like, a scalpel is probably not what he had in mind. Like, Jesus. That's like that's like some Freddy Krueger shit. Yeah. Where it's like he he knows that the, the, the guy likes shiny stuff. He's like, hey, Hideki, you like scalpels? <laughs> is scalpel shiny enough for you? And then he, like, slices his throat or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's that's pretty good that's yeah what a way to turn his words against him on wow. that one um yeah that's uh that that it he did call him a fat toad he did he? Yeah. he certainly did yes yeah there you go uh um all right i have sean green here Ooh, sean, sean green. green i love sean I, lo- I always love sean green dodger slugger sean green <laughs> um da, 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 da. oh this is another okay i'm glad i put i, I put these two together i didn't even realize it <clears throat> There is no more accommodating, level-headed star in sports uh, than Sean. A kid who hung out at Angels games in the mid-80s hunting autographs, he remembers the impression Cal Ripken Jr. made on him when the Orioles star signed every item for every fan and for an hour after a game. Quote, he's really kind of a people person, says Green's father, Ira. He's very sensitive to people's feelings. <laughs> 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 well, you, you got you get a couple things in here, Jeremy. Yeah. First, first, once again, we're talking about feelings here, yes. so it's very emo. 
Second, was 2001, was that Cal Ripken's last year in the major leagues, or was um, it 2000? It could be. He's number one in the set. Okay. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I feel like maybe they're kind of going out of their way to mention Cal Ripken a lot. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he either has, like, an inside guy at, uh, at Tops. At Tops, yeah. Or, uh, you know, somebody loves him. But, like, man, you know. And so Sean Green's father, is he talking about Sean Green, or is he talking about Cal Ripken Jr.? Well, that's the thing. It's like, I was going to make the joke that, like, I was going to make that same joke, but in reading it again, I re- it really is kind of unclear who he's talking about. Yeah. And also, how did John Green's dad get a quote on the back of his card? <laughs> half the card is about Cal Ripken anyway, then the other half is <clears throat> a quote from his dad. So it's like, I mean, I guess he's talking, he's saying he's he's saying nice things about Sean Green, I guess, but right. like, uh, again, just like a weird, like, uh, missing the target, basically, on Sean Green. Yeah, uh... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, he's really kind of a people person. He's very sensitive to people's feelings. Yeah. I hope my I hope my dad would never say that about me. That's pretty. It's lame. It's n- <laughs> it is lame. It's yeah. nice, but it's also like, hey, dad, I'm a I'm a ba- baseball player. Like, I have a reputation to uphold. Right. Um. I think, and in all of that, the the lead that is buried in all of this is that Sean Green was an autograph freak. Like yeah. we met <laughs> at uh, Beloit. Right. Right. He would. He would. Uh, uh, hunting autographs at Angels games. Sure. So there you go. Well, so yeah, let's not, you know, <clears throat> next time we make fun of those guys, we could be making fun of the next Sean Green. That's true. Um, not okay. Likely, though. <clears throat> okay, CJ Nitkowski, um, uh, pitcher, left handed pitcher. Uh, with the, with this year, he's with the Tigers for this season. Okay. okay. CJ has one of the more unique hobbies in the majors. He maintains his own webpage on the internet, cjbaseball.com where he interacts with fans and provides them a unique perspective into the major leagues. The purpose of this page is to give baseball fans an inside look at baseball from a, from a view they don't often see, the player's perspective, Nitkowski writes in his mission statement. He launched the site in 1997 when he was in the minors. Um, so this is one of those ones that seems funny to me just because the internet was still like a, kind of a new thing in 2001. Yeah, totally. And like a baseball player <laughs> having a website was like, uh, he was probably like the only baseball player with a website. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, now they all have Twitter handles and I mean, Kevin Pillar is making up a nicknames for himself, hashtag <laughs> autocatch. Um, uh, which yeah. is just disgusting. Yeah. So this, this was just kind of funny because, uh, you know, I wonder if cjbaseball.com still exists. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that he's on like MLB. He's he's been on um, uh, MLB Network and yes. stuff. Um, and uh, look at that, cjbaseball.com wow. since, since 1997. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Okay. I not it's not really loading. <laughs> There's something that's not loading there, but yeah. Okay. So you know, I'm I'm sorry that I pulled this up before I said it because I was gonna say. That 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 website probably looked like like crap back in two thousand. It was just like the worst like GeoCities like, uh, you know, website looking thing. This is a WordPress site now. Um, there's a lot of articles here, but it looks like he's just pulling them from other places. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple things here from like I guess. Is he on uh, the Rangers? Yeah, I, I want to <clears> say if I feel like he's a, a, a broadcaster for somebody. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I've seen seen him or heard him before. Yeah, he's definitely on MLB Network, and like he talks about like analytics and stuff. I think. Um, well, I mean, it certainly would be weird if he didn't keep it. Like if he didn't have it now, right? You know, even though he had it when he was a baseball player, but uh, 
That's that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's like the inter on the internet. Is that what it said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. CJ has one of the more unique hobbies in the majors. He maintains his own web page on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So here we go. <clears throat> I got one from Mark Loretta. Oh, cool. Nice. Okay. Was the uh, bench coach right last year of the yeah, Cubs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're bringing him back. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I, I know he's, he was your pick to uh, be uh, was. the manager. He was. It's a and, shame. And he is on the Brewers in this card. Mm. He's rounding, he's like heading to third base in the picture. <laughs> Mark, a watch collector, has spent much of his career biding his time, waiting for a chance to seize an everyday job. He almost always was in the lineup, but having played more than 70 games at each of the four infield positions in his career, no one's spot could be called home. But in 2000, with the departure of shortstop Jose Valentin, Loretta had his chance. Unfortunately, two months into the into his, quote, graduation from utility, man, he broke his foot. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a sad ending. Yeah, it's that's totally like sad. Gwyneth Paltrow's head being in the box and stuff <laughs> or something, you know? That's, that's sad. Yeah, um, I know. It's it, But, like, Jesus, like, they trump it up so much, and then it's like, yeah, they broke, then he broke his foot. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and nothing. That's, that's, a let, that's such a letdown. You feel happy for him, you yeah. know, by, at the end of it, and then, you, and then you get that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Marco Loretta was actually pretty solid, too, um, yeah. throughout most of his career. Um, he might have even won a batting title or come pretty close to it with the Padres, I want to say. Okay. Um, he but, hit uh, 316 and 98 in 100 and... Uh, in uh, 434 at bats. Oh wow! Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he either walked or the Brewers got nothing for him. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, he was good. But that that is funny. And and once again, like just talking about how he's a watch collector is uh, <laughs> it's never mentioned again. No. I mean, with typically good writing, Jeremy. Yeah. Like you know, you're gonna mention something at the top, and then you're gonna kind of kind of tie it up Pay at it the off. end, like a nice little bow. Yeah, for sure. Um, that just isn't there. Yeah. No. Okay, uh, Willie Green, Jeremy. This is a Cub, a Cubs okay. card. Okay. <clears throat> a slumping Willie was benched in 1999, but Toronto manager Jim Fergosi's eight-year-old would badger his dad to play him. Every day my son plays Sony PlayStation and he puts Green in his DH, Fergosi said. He came to me and said, look how he's hitting. That night, Fergosi relented, and Willie went four for five with the winning RBI. So I like that Jim <laughs> okay. Fergosi is uh, playing then, a guy based on the fact that like he's doing well in his son's PlayStation video game. Yeah. And then admitting it. Yes, exactly. Admitting it, fully admitting it. Yeah, that's um yeah, that's quite interesting. I wonder I know Fergosi jumped around a lot as manager, but uh, yeah. I wonder uh, like you know, how long he stuck around at that point after yeah. after admitting that. That's funny. Um yeah. Um you know, I and I was gonna say like I wonder if he's like upset that they put that on this card, but he obviously <laughs> said it to either somebody from Tops or like uh, the the newspaper picked it up, and this is just in here. <clears throat> yeah, for sure, that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, I'm sure Willie Green <laughs> kind of wishes that he he knew like whatever programming they did to make <laughs> him a good good player because uh, I don't recall him uh, ever doing shit. No, um, I, that year with the Cubs, Jeremy he played in 105 games, 299 official at bats, hit 201. Ugh. Yeah, pretty bad. That's the epitome of like the Cubs of the like. 80s 90s and 2000s basically <laughs> like there were all just a dime a dozen those guys who like he got in 100 plus games and had 200 at bats like yeah just bad <laughs> um all right you got me getting bad memories of the cubs here um <clears throat> all right so i got brian jordan 
Ooh, um, okay. We're down to our last uh, four here, I think. Yeah, right? I got I got two more left. Okay. Brian Jordan, uh, multi-sport. He was like, he followed on the multi-sport yeah. uh, bandwagon after Deion Sanders. I think he was like maybe the second guy to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a brave in this card. And uh, I think he... I remember, with with the the card, I remember with the cards. Yeah, he was on a lot of Cardinals here uh, before this. I, and did he play with the Falcons? Oh, jeez. I think if, if there was any team he played with, I think it was it was them. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously he played with somebody. But yeah, I might yeah. have been the Falcons. Okay. Uh, Brian, who along with his dad became a fan of The Young and the Restless years ago, was elated by the opportunity to make an appearance on the afternoon show of last um, May 31st. His on-field performance, however, is strictly prime time. After years of injury problems, his last three seasons have been Emmy worthy. <laughs> oh wow! It's just—I feel like this guy, whoever wrote this one, is just trying to show off that they know a little something about about TV. I've got the perfect one to, to go to go with that. Perfect. Right. Um. Uh. Yeah. 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 I just need to need to see this again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, also, I like the fact that they say uh, prime time because wasn't that Deion Sanders' yeah, nickname? Yeah, so that's sure. kind of like a sneaky uh, thing. There. A shot, maybe, or like a reference or something. Yeah. 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 Well, While it, also mentioning that he watches Young and the Restless <laughs> and that he's on it. <laughs> well, I got I got a, a perfect one to follow okay, up with that. It, it. it couldn't be any better. Okay, Mark Mulder. Uh, this is an A's card for him. <clears throat> Mark probably wishes that the last X Files jokes he's endured would be uh, that would be the last. That's just strange. Let me read that. Mark probably wishes. Okay. Mark probably wishes that the last X-Files jokes he's endured would be the last, that his nickname Fox had been inspired by his crafty hurling, and that the only Scully he'd ever heard of had been Vin. He can, however, take solace in the fact that his personal pitching show likely will be a blockbuster long after that TV series is canceled. (laughs) Inserted into the 2000 Oakland Athletics rotation after a short but sweet 24-game tenure in the minor leagues, Mulder did not appear at all alien to the task, oh. showing otherworldly composure and, at times, supernatural stuff. Oh yeah, Jeremy, God. these two cards must have been written by the same guy. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. I bet that one sounds like a bet. Like, yeah. Like, he's like, I bet, uh, like, like, I bet uh, you know, I bet, like, you know, why don't you bet me that I can't get, like, you know, six x-files references into one blurb that's that's hilarious man <laughs> yeah it's poor, it's poorly written too. it is yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, his last x-files jokes he's endured would be the last like yeah, that's not good no it's not good at all um <clears throat> the only scully he'd ever heard of had been vin that's that's good <laughs> yeah that's very good um Okay, so yeah, that that was a, I thought that was a good one. That's Jeremy. hilarious. Did yeah. you watch the X Files, Jack? You know, I no, I watched one episode when I was a little kid, and it kind of scared me, so I never <laughs> okay. watched it again. Okay, yeah. Was did you? I was just talking about this with someone, and like, um, yeah, I did. Well, I had a huge thing for Gillian Anderson. Okay, I had I had a band. I I had a band, not mm-hmm. Sandfrog, but uh, mm-hmm. um, and I had a song called "I Love Gillian Anderson," and it was a punk song because she was like, uh, she used to be a punk rocker or something. But yeah, I uh, I, I I liked the show and. And um, uh, I, it's funny because I, so I was like telling this person like um, it was like one of my students actually who I was talking to and I'm like yeah you know you couldn't just like go on demand and watch old because I started watching in the middle of the series so like they released they would release episodes on VHS like two episodes on a VHS so I would buy them and watch them and sure. like, that was the only way I could watch classic X Files oh yeah uh, but I did like the show I thought it was pretty good okay. In addition to the fact that I had a crush on Jillian Anderson. <laughs> but, okay, so this is my last one. Uh, this is, to me, this is like the piece de resistance of uh, of the set. Um, but uh, Turk Wendell. Yeah. Um, and this was like when I was going through these cards, I'm like, 
this is like this set is weird. Um, uh, so Turk Wendell uh, was like famously superstitious player. Uh, he was, he started came up with the Cubs. He spent a lot of years with the Mets too. But he was like the guy. He would wear like a weird puka shell necklace. He would jump over the foul line when he would come off of the mound. Um, he would brush his teeth in between innings in the dugout. Uh, and he wore like th- he insisted on wearing like thirteen. <clears throat> I guess when he went to the the Mets, he wore ninety nine. Um, so this is um, this is his blurb. The eccentric Wendell signed a contract with the Mets prior to last season, in which he insisted his bonus would be exactly thirteen dollars and ninety nine cents. He almost wasn't around to collect it. In January two thousand, he spent a night stranded in the Rocky Mountains, enduring temps of ten degrees below zero, ho- huddling near a campfire with no sleeping bag. <laughs> so there you go like he almost died and he almost didn't collect also it's like he almost wasn't around to collect it collect what the $13.99 bonus but yeah like basically he yeah just so you know he almost died in the Rocky Mountains well also like that that signing bonus is la- laughable yeah um, guys are getting millions of dollars worth of signing bonuses he wants this to be $13.99 he ins- insisted it would be exactly $13.99 Jesus man you can't you can buy a large pizza for that much money <laughs> no yeah that's that's crazy. It's it's odd. I mean, maybe I don't even know. Like maybe they weren't gonna give him one, and he's like, "Can you make it? Thir- can you give me a thirteen dollar ninety nine cent bonus?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, we'll pay you like one million dollars for the year minus thirteen ninety nine or something." <laughs> well, that that's a good one, Jeremy. Yeah. I, I don't know if the one I'm ending on has necessarily been saving the best for last. Okay, but it is Antonio Alfonseca. Okay, okay so stuff. Plenty of pitchers have plenty of it but only a precious few ever learned to convert it into success. Antonio always had plenty of stuff, but little in his minor league record portended what he would become. He had a losing record in rookie ball. It took him until his fifth season to reach even the high A classification. He had various arm problems, and his career ERA in the farms is 423. Suddenly in 1999, Alfonseca blossomed as a big-time closer, and in 2000, he was even better. His stuff... A boring fastball in the high 90s, a hard, lively slider, and a sneaky changeup. Jesus Christ, man. That's like, it should have started with Call Me Ishmael. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, this is the long... So that's the thing, Jeremy. These, the ones, because oh, I uh, I have the complete 2015 set. The mm-hmm. blurbs there on there aren't that long. They're yeah. limited to like two or three sentences. For, yeah, as most are, honestly. Yeah, Jesus. <clears throat> that, that This one was like probably... Uh, it was like an entire paragraph long. Yeah, that's hilarious. Oh, my God. It's like, this one I'm going to really stretch out and really, you know, move around <laughs> in this blurb here. That's really yeah. funny. Jesus. Um, uh, yeah, Jeremy, I, I wonder I wonder who writes these for tops and like if that's their full-time job all right. the year round is yeah. to write these. No, I mean, yeah, like like uh, academically speaking, I would guess that maybe it's like some sort of like uh, ad company like yeah. like that like, you know, writes ad copy or something. Sure. Like they hired them to write these and they they pulled it from like like media guides or something yeah like i know that like sometimes they give like fun facts but like some of these are weird like that i wouldn't like that that i wouldn't think that a team would go through the trouble of putting it in the media guide right but i don't know maybe maybe i don't know maybe they want to write about steve klein being a a prison guard (laughs) or whatever but anyway all right so to wrap things up um we wrote uh blurbs about each other okay okay um who wants to go first you want to go first sure i'll go go first jeremy i got mine uh mine here in my notes okay Okay. all right baseball is normally a spectator sport for jeremy 
but in 2019, he took the field to begin his bachelor party weekend. I felt good out there, said the Southpaw, who, like his idol Shohei Otani, flashed his prowess both on the mound and at the plate. (laughs) Thank you. What would you say, my idol? Yeah, your idol. You deserve that. You deserve that one. You had that one coming. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I um, sometimes I look back at that video of when he hit the homer. Yeah, and you can hear me go, Otani. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. You sound like a fanboy for sure. It's good stuff. All right, Jack. Well, here's uh, one good turn deserves another, I guess. Okay. Jack, a native of New Berlin, Wisconsin, whose major attraction is an indoor trampoline park. The park certainly served as a great training ground for the man who jumped over Jack to snag a free t-shirt in a t-shirt toss. Swakowski was stepped on and missed the entire 1996 season. <laughs> <laughs> That's in keeping with uh, with these, you know, yeah, 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 with yeah. the bummer. That that card is a flat out downer. Um, I like it, Jeremy. I think I think we could do this. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, exactly. Point. Those sounded like blurbs. Yeah, definitely. That was, that was good. Um, okay, well, you know, I think that's going to just about wrap up this week's episode. Yeah. Uh, we could we could do one of these every year. I yeah, mean, hell, for we sure. We could probably do, uh, you know, just a different set of cards or even more from this year. There's, but... uh, let's see, we did 20. There's 770 more cards, Jack. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, right. <clears throat> um, okay, cool. Well, well, we'll be back with you again in two weeks. Uh, as we said, we're doing bi-weekly episodes, so look out for another episode coming up mid-December. Yeah, we'll see if uh, Chris Bryant is still a Cub, if Lindor is Ooh. still an Indian, and if if Betts is still a Red Sox, I guess. Yeah, and if the Brewers have, have signed any pitchers to their 40-man roster. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so uh, for uh, uh, Jack Sukowski. Uh, and for Jeremy Dionisio. We are Rain Delay Theater, and we'll see you next time. Bye.